welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about uh, how health struggles may influence writing. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Got the names right this week. And this week, we finally finished the seemingly interminable 12-week-long yeah. dive into Fate of the Jedi, book seven, Conviction. By Aaron Alston. The book was very long. It in really In terms was. of chapters. In terms yeah. of pages, about regular. Mostly Star Wars books are like 400, let's say 380 to 440 at yeah. the high end. Actually looks shorter than the next one. Right. Could have a bigger preview in the back or something or whatever. Mm-hmm. For the very last book of the series. But, whew. This one took a long time. It it did. It was, it was a good few months there. 12 weeks. Yep. This is week 12. This is three <laughs> months of reading this book. Yep. Now, you know what? Remember we started it, and I, or um, we did the preview mm-hmm. last week, and not last week, for the last book, and we were like, man, Corios, what the hell is that on the back? And I'm like, I've read these books. I don't know where that is, because I did not take three months to read this. Yep. Slow-ass book. <laughs> it was I probably it was read drag. it in about 37 seconds. Yeah, it was a drag. It dragged on. But let's start with the Galactic Overview. Yes. Where we talk about what happened in the entire galaxy. A broad review instead of the narrow scope of the characters. And in this fantastic novel, the Galactic Alliance and its leader, Natasi Dalla, face great public scrutiny and demonstration after violent countermeasures regarding anti-slavery movement across the galaxy. As the Aaron Venture returns Wynn Dorvin and the hundred wealthiest Coruscanti to their rightful place, the Jedi Order moves on the seat of power of the Galactic Capital. With Jedi hidden in the Senate building, a false flag Yuzhan Vong attack is triggered, throwing the Senate into chaos and allowing the Jedi to arrest and overthrow Chief of State Natasi Dalla, unknowingly with the help of the clandestine costumed conspirators. Galactic Alliance leadership now consists of a triumvirate, Saba Sabatine, Grand Master of the Jedi Order, General Jackson, and Admiral Perova. Meanwhile, across the galaxy, we learn, see, and experience absolutely nothing new or meaningful with the galaxy's greatest threat, Abeloth. Anything else? <laughs> Did I miss anything there? No. Uh, Tahiri got convicted. Hence the title. Yeah. And then broken out of jail. Yeah, she got convicted, got uh, kind of screwed over in there for yeah. a bit, and then that was in there. That was in the book. Yep. That was that's what happened across the whole galaxy. Uh, now that sounds like a lot, and it sounds very exciting. The Jedi overthrow the government and take control of the galaxy, essentially. Very cool. <laughs> Page twenty or <laughs> something stupid. No second line of the back cover yes and it doesn't happen until chapter 22 more than halfway through the book but we knew about it the whole time yeah maybe that's why it seemed like it happened immediately it should have happened at page 20 (laughs) i think that's what we've even said before but this is what happened that's the book here let's dig dive deep into the characters i know that didn't make sense right yeah yeah i got it we'll start first with Han and Leia Solo featuring Alana Amelia. Uh, unattended child edition. Oh, I wrote Chid. 
Oh, wow. Anyways, here's what they did in this book. Calling all the way back to Han and Leia being the official negotiators. Remember that? Between the Jedi and Dalla back like the book before or two books before. Without actually mentioning that at all. Mm-hmm. Han and Leia are tasked with keeping Dalla distracted while the Jedi set up in the Senate building. Also, don't tell Dalla that Hamner's dead. We're going to pretend he's still alive mm-hmm. so that we can negotiate in good faith. Uh, forgot about that part. Forgot he was dead. Didn't care. Yeah. Then they're sent to Klaatuin. <laughs> After everything happens, they've done their job. They leave. They help break Valen and Gisela out of personal holding space. They're frozen bodies. And they got to go to Klaatuin to help negotiate the anti-slavery convention as the Galactic Alliance representatives. Because you guys are so important. You just must be our representatives for everything. Whether it's the Jedi representatives for Dalla, now that we've taken over the government, you can be official government representatives. Yep. Alana is the one who has all the fun on Klaatuine. And really, the only interesting scenes. The only time we see Han and Leia here, they're just telling a guy how to do his life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't. How do you want to? You want to be a politician, but you are so mad. About everything yeah, to you, do with your brother. <laughs> Relax and just manipulate this wanna guy see, into doing it. Want to see how want. easily triggered you are? Let me put this trigger in your face. Ah! <laughs> Point a you gun fool? at your forehead. You fool? You emotional fool? Anyways, Alana has like the only interesting scenes from the fire dreams of saving her mommy. And she goes on an adventure to scout this place out. She gets lectured by a robot who she gets the upper hand on. <laughs> Take that, you stupid robot. I'm six, seven, eight years old, and I'm funnier than you are. And mm. then this whole Quaerden Day Sith situation where he's come here to destroy Tenelka. Yeah. Or that's just a happy side effect. She shows up, and he's like, aha, the Jedi Queen. I'll kill her. And then he's like, oh, look at that little face. That's the same as that face. That must be the queen on the white throne. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, he, he happens upon Tanel Ka, and then it's like, oh, wait, I can take out the whole family. Look at that. And it's funny, too, because it's a massive threat that's really understated. He mm-hmm. doesn't tell anybody else what he's discovered. It's a short amount of time. She is a child, and when he's like, I know who you are, so I have to kill you, she doesn't understand the gravity of you're going to grow up to be the... the the mending force of the future. Mm-hmm. She don't know that. No, nope. this guy does. And he's like, I got to murder you kid. Anyways, she wins. <laughs> and that's fun. That was like the funnest part of the whole book. I think. Yeah. Was all of her little stuff sneaking around this encampment and doing investigating, learning about the force, using the force, hiding in the force, stole a man's remote control. Uh, that's good. Stuff. Yeah. Alana for me has had the most growth. And in- well, that should be easy. She's eight years old. It, yeah. <laughs> right. But, just and she has so many new, new things, things to discover new for things. herself. Yeah. There are well, I said it at the same time. Too. Yeah, that's recorded <laughs> as many times as we've done that in our lifetime. Um, but she doesn't. All of her growth is like things that we've already discovered through other characters. Like mm-hmm. she's her growth is learning how to use the force and what her importance is in life, being yeah. a Skywalker. Like all of that is, is stuff that we've learned before through other characters, but in her seat, it's all brand new to her. And so Mm. it feels cool, (laughs) Yeah. but really it's all stuff that we've explored before. What does it mean to be 
Alana Solo? What does it mean to be Jason Solo? What does it mean to be Luke Skywalker? And what does it mean to be Anakin Skywalker? Uh, Leia. Uh, every one of these Skywalker-blooded fools is like the most important person in the universe at any given time. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't say Jaina because she's never in the books. <laughs> Boom. Roasted. Anyways, well, that's it. That's that's what the Solos did. And then at the end, they're like, we're going home to Coruscant. Vroom! And then R2's like, don't explode at me, 3PO. You hot temper. Ha ha ha. Because he had a bomb. Because he had a bomb in him. Yeah. Uh, what was your favorite moment of Han and Leia featuring Alana Solo? Um, The death of the Sith, dude. Oh, yeah. Where... You have said that like seven times yeah. since it happened. Yeah, it's great. I love that. I like Alana's whole escape from the security group. I don't understand their incompetence. Yeah, but... I mean, I can't believe you just, like, they pretty willingly let her walk every time. Yeah. Javin Thules is a terrible security man. He really is. He started dating the very first person he ever had a problem <laughs> with. And then he can't track a nine-year-old. Yeah, that's that was good. But anyways, yeah, they cut, it, cut him up either uh, in half or cut his head off. And, and he's watching looking... his body as he's rolling down the sand. Yep. Yeah, I liked, uh, my favorite part was... Either the dreams and like that was like one of the most exciting things inserted into the back third of this book out of nowhere mm-hmm. was her having force dreams. That was cool. But really, I liked when she took the guy's remote control. It was so funny. It's just <laughs> such a muscle memory thing that you do, especially. Okay, for example, look to your left. You'll see this chair that yeah. I sit in all the time. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you know, I usually put my phone in one spot and the mouse in a certain spot or whatever if I'm using it and the remote control in a certain spot for the TV. And so he just reaches out for it where it should be and sand. And he's like, what? Yeah. It's just, that's infuriating. It's I like put, putting your wallet in the wrong pocket. That was such a just like understated, relatable thing. Mm-hmm. Especially, I mean, it's not in the context of comfort. It's in the context of on this mission, right? Yeah. He's like, all right, I'm going to put this here. I'm going to be staring through my binoculars. I'm not going to put them down because I can't take my eyes off the prize. I'm going to reach for the remote and blow everybody to hell. And then, sand. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that was great. Let's move on to our next character. Number two. Yes. Jaina Solo. All right. The sword in the stone. Because she doesn't really do anything. No. She's unused, if you will. Chapter seven. She sits in on the Dalaku planning at the Jedi Temple. She says two things. Number one, you don't win by playing a defensive game. And number two, that might work. Those are the two things she says. Thrilling. Then, chapter 15. She and Jag don't share secrets on his couch. Engaging. <laughs> Get it, sir, engaged. She spends whole moments on the page leading the attack on the Senate and the and the attempt to bust Valen and Gisela out of imprisonment, right? She's there. She's in one of the hallways. And then a bang happens and Han and Leia are on their own and they have that crazy moment. I guess I forgot to write about that. Han Solo thought Leia died and had an incredible character moment. Back to this. Uh, She's on the page for for a second. (laughs) Those songs were pretty good. That was pretty good. Uh, In chapter 22 is when she uh, shows up again to do the Senate attack. And then in chapter 26... She asks Corin how the kids are at mm-hmm. Master Hamner's funeral. And chapter 29, she criticizes Jag for not politicking and then sits on his lap. Always, I love that. I love that every time. Yeah. Chapter 43, 
she's suddenly across the galaxy at Nonkorios. We didn't hear her get an order. We didn't hear anything of the planning of launching an entire fleet of Jedi stealth X's. That was not it on the page in the scenes at all. No. Which no. would have been cool even if we didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. That would be extra cool, actually. The fleet is mustering. The Jedi fleet is is preparing to launch, and we don't know why. Yeah, you wouldn't. You don't need where they mess. They got the message from. It's just it it's have... time to go, and nobody's even going to talk about it because it's so secret. Because mm-hmm. nobody ever talks about their secrets or tells anybody what they're doing. How else would you have suspense yeah. if you don't create it artificially? Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Suddenly, chapter 43, here she is again, across the galaxy, flying an exciting strike against the whole Sith fleet and rescuing Luke Skywalker, which we don't see the attack. Nope. And we don't see them rescuing Luke Skywalker. Like, when he gets shot down, her and Zek take him to some medical facility. When the Sith show up, the Jedi all attack them, and we're just told this. We're told this stuff and not shown it. Yeah. That... I've come to this conclusion through the review of this book is the problem with this book. This book spends no joke pages talking about why people on Nam Corios build their houses off the floor. Yep. Off the ground on pedestals pages talking about the drocks and the infection and those bugs, which further to the rest of the book, that's told to us in the beginning that never comes up again. And they go down yeah. into a basement of, people being tortured and there's no bugs there that's not even part of the equation no the only time we get any glimpse into what they can do is that uh memory from cell yeah told not shown yep and we're we're told and told and told all these things that don't matter or don't seem to matter maybe valen and gisella are going to be covered in drops she never came down to the surface but whatever Mm -hmm. you know i don't know what was all the point of talking about all that all that threat on the planet oh my god it's minus 10 degrees we spend so much time just talking and telling and not showing there are plenty of action scenes but they're like the wrong ones yeah anyways showing better telling not what books are for anyways that's all the stuff Jaina did Mm -hmm. she said about six things sat on her boyfriend's lap at least twice and then saved Luke Skywalker off camera. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, what wasted again. Huh? Yeah, she's, she's always been one of our favorite characters it, since we started this. And, and you know what? To contrast it to the last series where it's about her twin brother. Yeah, she factors in a lot more. And she features a lot more. Mm-hmm. But she's such a powerful, important person that she should be factoring in and featuring more in everything that's happening. Because she should have that responsibility. Yeah. Of acting in these moments instead of like, oh my God, her and Jag are on the couch. And then she watches Jag on the hollow net and she's like, you told the truth instead of doing politics and shame on you. Like, yeah, yeah. She's... He could have got that from his aide and they could have had a more meaningful interchange or exchange mm-hmm. interaction. Yes. <laughs> you know, my God. Anyways, what was your favorite moment of Jaina Solo? very last thing she said where the where she says the force is telling me mm. not to follow your orders and to protect you to when she's talking to Luke. Yeah. Luke. Yeah. That's, that's right. like that's 
and that's it, interesting. That's definitely the most interesting yeah. thing she said. It's interesting for the hopefully for setup for later. It has nothing to do with this book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, set up for the trilogy of hers after this. That never is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Is she going to do anything in the next two books? What What is she ever going to do? Her and Zek and Luke are going after Abeloth now. So she is now, book eight, directly involved. Yeah. For at least our, at least for our uh, expectations heading into the next book. Sometimes in between these books, a little girl gets picked up and then dropped off in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like has saved from a Sith planet jungle and then just written out. Mm-hmm. Told not shown, right? Uh, my favorite moment was... Nah, yeah. That good. Let's move on to our next character. She didn't do anything or say anything interesting. I mean, that was cool. You nailed it. Yeah. But that was, again... Wouldn't it be, a, wouldn't it be cool to just see her in her cockpit making that decision yeah. inside her own head, feeling in the force, showing us why she's making the decision. Anyways. And she's supposed to be so impulsive yeah. at times that... She, that that would be so... That would just, be an impactful scene. Yeah, and instead she's... Squandered. Yeah. Waiting for orders that never come, apparently. <sighs> Next character. Number three. Abeloth. The... Mysteriously missing mistress. Mm-hmm. Is she even on the page in the scene once? Not until the epilogue. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Really? Like, when... Okay, let's... Here, we'll start on top. Okay. She's on Nom Corios. Why? I'm going to ask you that question. You read this book for 12 weeks. <laughs> Why? Why did she go to Nom Corios? Nothing that's told, only things I can infer. There's a there's a powerful group of force users there. Yeah, she's I and trying she's, to siphon power from them or something. Yep. Yeah. Why? Yeah. To recover, to gather strength. To it's all left to guess. We don't yeah. know. don't know why. And also, she's again come to a planet of powerful force users. We just did that. Mm-hmm. We just did that, and we did it way better. Yes. The fallen assy interaction, and then the conclusion of that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that was the last book, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Just checking. We went straight from Peter to this. Yes. Ha. <laughs> uh. Uh-uh. Uh. <laughs> Anyways, why does she come to Nam Corios? We don't know. But it's forty full chapters before Avaloth. Sort of. I did air quotes for you. <laughs> shows yes. up as Callista. Mm-hmm. Luke's ex-girlfriend, one of many. Uh, she shows up as Callista to convince Luke to join her. All of this book is they're trying to find Abeloth, right? And then here comes Callista. Join me. And then he doesn't. It's lame. It's already been done. We've already seen Callista appear to Luke and try to Get him to switch teams and join Abeloth or save Abeloth or save her from Abeloth. Yeah, the only... Save himself by saving Abeloth. And... The only interesting part of it is how he removes Callista from the equation. Yeah, which is... Callista is ripped from Abeloth's being, which we don't get 
any perspective from Avaloth's side of what that's like. No, just a scream. Luke just sees what happens in the Force, and then Callista smiles and disappears. This He rips her out of Avaloth while Avaloth is off-screen being attacked by the Sith. Mm-hmm. And damage so much between the two things and the sill in Vistara's pocket that she crushed, whatever. Yep. Between all this chaos, she's hurt enough to have to flee. She flees Nam Corios in ship, who we also haven't heard from since Luke got shot down in the mayor's van. Mm-hmm. Was ship there? They were following ship, or ship helped shoot them down. I honestly yeah. can't even remember because this book is so boring. Now. I don't think ship is really in it at all, other than he is because she's he's looking ship. for them. Oh, that's what it was. Remember the when they crashed and then they went to Doctor Wee's secret lab. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, he's dead," and they're like, "I can feel ship out there searching for us." Mm-hmm. After they left that place because they knew somebody was and they have to like it was ship. float along their ship with a rudder like hovercraft it sand. Yeah. yeah anyhow that's not Abeloth no it's not she comes back in the epilogue where she finally we have her perspective finally she is the one leading the scene we are in her seat mm-hmm. as Abeloth teams up with the Sith for some reason who just were trying to kill her She's like, you know what I should do? Make friends with my enemy because my enemy's enemy is my friend. Yeah. That's like some, some Dwight Troop stuff. Yeah, that's that's the only thing she does. And it makes a certain kind of sense because... Yeah, it does, but it's not set up at all. No, it's There's not. no interaction that we see between her and the Sith that would have any kind of work together relationship. Or any reason for it other than the desperation of both sides. And even that is so so new at the end of this book. Mm-hmm. With half the Sith fleet destroyed and Abeloth gets this personality ripped out of her being. All of that all of that trauma is so fresh that we don't even have time to set them up being desperate. Yeah. Which we just have to assume they are. And that's why they're teaming up. And, you know, we got to get that Luke Skywalker always. We learned so much about this new mysterious threat. Yeah, other than the only thing that we kind of what did figure we out. learn about her? Is yeah. that her, her Jedi children, we're going to call them that, uh, see her as the true mistress yeah, of the jedi the leader of the jedi order or the mistress the of the true jedi or whatever yeah. she says or whatever valen says yeah i mean okay though that's not even that's like circumstantial evidence from a crazy man yes right but that that's the only that's what he believes that's what he's been told to believe mm-hmm. that's not necessarily what she believes no that's just her manipulating people yeah that's her manipulation of the situation oh uh, what was your uh, favorite moment of abloth cool I'll start. None. Didn't see her. Yeah, no. Your turn. Not at all. Uh, Callista being ripped out. Yep, that was fun. Yeah. That That was was a cool moment for Callista, another one of Luke Skywalker's ex-girlfriends. Which I think will change Abeloth because they do mention that Callista is like the only good part of her. the only thing keeping her from full bad mode. Yeah. and that's uh, Again, it's another, hey, that's cool for future events. Yeah. 
She rips her out, and then Avaloth is like, IDKFA, IDGAF. All right. <laughs> it's over for you. I don't know. <sighs> yeah, okay. Character number four, Vistara Kai. One of four Jedi. Mm-hmm. And Vistara follows Luke around all book long, and his sidekicks don't really do anything. No. Of their own. They don't grow. They don't think much. They don't do anything other than either what has to be done, defend themselves, or what they're told to do. Uh, lots of just helping or, like, watching, talking. Talking about, like, where's Abeloth? What are the bugs? What happened to Dr. Wee? All things that don't matter. This whole Dr. Wee thread? What was that? Yeah. There's some mysterious research in his lab about a thing on a neck and some of it's scribbled. Yeah, about the Drox. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then none of that ever comes to fruition. The guy's dead and then we're gone from the planet. Yep. So, if in book nine, an army of weird Jedi with bugs on their neck come out of nowhere, that would be sweet. Right? <laughs> like, it's cool. Like, plant that seed. And maybe that's a seed just planted for someone else to use later. Yeah. But we spent way too much time on the bugs for it to be nothing in this book. Yeah. A lot of setup in this book with, or like half finished thoughts, it yeah. seems like. Yeah. 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 The Sills even? Alright, whatever. Yeah. Vistara goes from a pirate's brig, then off to Nam Koryos with its super deadly negative ten degree weather, and another ill woman in a basement just like in the Pirate's Brig. She watches Luke learn Minimanemanem therapy. Mm-hmm. The magic force thing of erasing memories. Traumatic ones. Yeah. Dream yeah. therapy. Which in the pirate brig, she sees him do his own primitive version of already because remember they go down there and there's like oh there's a woman who's this pirate's captain is crazy also the pirates never come up again no they've been dropped about four times through four books in a row since book three maybe not not again doesn't matter they don't matter the big deal that the pirates were back Jaina told the Jedi council Mm -hmm. anyways she doesn't matter though so nothing she says matters or is ever going to come up again now here's the deal they go into this pirate basement and there's that sick girl and Luke like Takes the dark, uses a, a light side energy to graft onto the dark side energy that Abeloth left behind, right? And then he takes them both out and then they dissipate because they have no host yes. to hold on to or whatever. Vistara sees this. She sees him learn this Minemanema therapy and maybe it was neat. I don't know. She never thinks about it. She never gives us a thought or opinion about, whoa, Luke is strong. Or, whoa, how did he do that? Or, wow, what was that? Or I want to learn that. Or maybe I picked something up. Nothing. No opinion at all. Mm-hmm. About seeing the most powerful Force user in the galaxy do incredible things. Yeah, do something completely new. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we never really hear from her mind. Other than the times that she's like trying to write growth notes to Papa. Mm-hmm. Which, again, unfinished thoughts. Yep. Yeah. Every one of those. Except... You know, when she finally sends him a message and it's like, hey, Abloth's here. Not, here's how much I've changed, Papa. The light side is good. Come to the farm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Whatever, right? Uh, she helps teach Theron listeners to force hide. She's spreading force techniques. That's kind of neat. Yeah. She saves a toddler. She's like, what am I doing? <laughs> That's kind of neat. Uh, she gets shot down with Luke and helps fix the shuttle with Ben. And nobody ever thinks about anything. There's no insight. Yeah, no, none at all. What they're feeling or like, they're just on a mission. 
And so they don't have, to, I guess, time to think about, except they have all the time in the world. Because this book is very long. Yeah, they were there for weeks, it seems. They were there, I don't know. I don't, it could have been forever. The letters she writes to her dad are, are the most that we hear from her. But like you said, unfinished thoughts. They're short or unfinished every single time. Yeah, and even if, if she does you know, finish them, she locks them away. Which is an expression of her emotion. Yes. Like, she can't even face finishing the thought yeah. of, like, wow, her being good conflict. Being good feels good. She can't say it. She's like, hey, Dad, being good. Close. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, she knows it, and she internalizes it. She can't say it out loud or type it out in a text to her dad. But she doesn't ever think about that and think mm-hmm. about how I'm changing or what I think about Luke Skywalker or what I think about Ben Skywalker. Yeah. As we look ahead to the preview, it's probably an important thing to know what these two characters are thinking about each other other than boy crush, girl crush. Mm -hmm. We don't not on any meaningful level. Do we get in her head or his head when which you can see how short his is way shorter than Vistara's his review. Anyways, there's not much change about her attitude over her new life and all this stuff. You know, she sends a message to the Sith about Avaloth being here. So mm, two steps back, you know, three steps forward, two steps back. Yeah. She still falls into that old habit of reporting to the Sith and for whatever ulterior motive that she may have had, you know, let's get him here so we can all destroy Avaloth or let's get him here so I can go home or who knows? She yeah. Doesn't, she doesn't ever think it. No, just out of blind loyalty, I think. Yeah, I mean, when the, uh, blind loyalty until the Sith come for them, and then it's I'm on Team Jedi back to back fighting the Sith and Valen Horn with Ben. Mm-hmm. She battles strong as always, and it's good combat, but short. Yes. And told more than we're shown. Although she has that. Anyways, we'll just skip to this. What was your favorite moment? I'm stealing it. Mine was that Sill ticking time bomb thing from that fight. Like the one interesting thing that happens in that entire fight is her going, yeah, 10. Just hang on, nine. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, she crushes the thing in her hand and it just flatlines everybody in there that can feel the force. That was cool. Yeah. She... She was maybe the second coolest character in this book. So girl power, I guess. Yeah. Alana and Vistara stealing the book, but Yeah, and and her her being introduced or right at the end of the book again. Yeah. As being one of the Jedi that need helping. One of four Jedi. That that is I'm hoping going to be important for her interactions with everyone later. Like uh, I said, I'm leadership hoping. move. Yeah, it's extremely all right. That's it. Uh, I also liked, just quick, her self-surprise at saving that baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then also she was surprised at being mad that the Sith were using the Force and they were going to cause storms that hurt people and stuff like that. Yeah, she was upset. <laughs> she hurt. had she had some good growth moments. Yeah, um, sort of. Yeah. They... Moment. Yeah. With a small ass. Yeah. Yeah. Number five. Our next character, Ben Skywalker comic relief <laughs> Ben chooses nothing he follows his father and he helps as needed he doesn't have any character changing thoughts or questions 
He doesn't have any opinions on what they're doing. Other than, I gotta help my dad, obviously. It's a big problem, this Avloth thing. He doesn't have any thoughts about Vistara out loud this time, which has been constant through these books. Mm-hmm. He can't stop looking at her and thinking about her. doesn't really come up this time, even though they're together the entire time. Um, he does have a lot of good jokes. He, he tells his... What was that one when they're fixing the shuttle? And he tells his dad something about, oh, yeah, we had to walk uphill <laughs> both ways in a sandstorm. And the and ships were made of wood. Yeah, and... <laughs> all that jazz. Right? Yeah. Good. He's very funny. Comic relief? Nailed it. Teasing his dad uh, a lot to show off to Vistara, but not internalizing thoughts about that and giving it to the audience. Mm-hmm. We can, like you said, infer a lot, Yeah, but we're not shown it at all. Uh, shows off to Vistara, helps repair the ship. He fights well when he's needed. Uh, doesn't really have any interesting comments on the force powers either or Sills or any of dad's old girlfriends of which there are two in this book Teselda and Callista yes Ben's just along for the ride and having a good time that's his whole criffing book yeah one two three four five six seven sentences and five of them are me criticizing not summarizing and he's he's the only one of the characters that we've gone through so far that i have a i have no what was your favorite thing i don't have a favorite thing because he was background noise i literally wrote he had some good jokes yeah because that's you're right he was background noise this story was about well the next character luke skywalker the story was about luke skywalker once again, anyways, good job, Ben. Let's just get to this next character yep. and talk about it. Number six, Luke Skywalker, Grandmaster of Ex-Girlfriends. He's chasing Abloth to Nam Corios, across it, above it, even under it. <laughs> he meets his old girlfriend, Tiselda, another one, again. He comes back to a place after 30 years. Again. He finds Abeloth has taken over a force group. Again. He pulls Callista out of Abeloth, hurting the monster, but not seeing her. Even though he has spent 442 books tracking her down, he does not even come face to face with his quarry, the most dangerous being in the galaxy. Mm -hmm. Oh, also, Luke's secretly summoned the Jedi... To Nam Corios to ambush the Sith. Didn't see that either. Didn't hear that message. Didn't hear a thought about that. Didn't see a reaction to that message. Uh, we didn't see that. He does get shot down twice in this book. Foreshadowing? <laughs> he learns a new force power again. Just in time to use it to save us from this book. <laughs> yeah. Again. Just like he did in the first book. When he went to, oh my god, Keldor. That's the name of the planet with the people. Yeah. He went there and he learned the special, what was it? The, Tornado the, power. The, yeah, the so, lightning rod technique or whatever Yeah, it to save them right at the end of the book in the fight. And then uh, they go to Dathomir and how did he save the day there? Not from a power that he learned. He didn't learn any new force power from them really. No, yeah, I don't think he did anything there. But then in this book, we do the same thing we did in book one. Yeah. Where 
He learns a new force power, and it just happens to be the correct ingredient to save the day. Again, he doesn't give us any thoughts. He doesn't really ha have any change. He doesn't seem to care about this to sell the person. He doesn't seem to think about all the change and disaster he's brought to this planet since his first visit 30 years ago, which is a common theme everywhere he goes, but he never seems to reflect on that. No growth. No change. No thoughts. No range. He does, it's, he's the same narrow band the entire time. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas in the last series, you would get Luke Skywalker uh, philosophically arguing with his nephew, Jason. Or you would get Luke Skywalker having a teenage son that he doesn't get along with. And then you would have Grandmaster Luke Skywalker leading the Jedi Council. And then you would have Luke Skywalker at home with his wife and a totally like different flavor and... Mm -hmm. and frequency of this guy's existence. Yeah. This is such a narrow, boring view of this guy. It's, and that's... Single-minded in his mission. I think that's the whole problem with with this book. Yeah. Is, it's just, it's a, it's just a narrow... It's not, there's no variety to it. Nothing at all. And the things that we do do, we have done before yeah. how many times did i say again mm -hmm. like seven chases her to a planet of people again <laughs> another ex-girlfriend again learn new force power again freaking boring man yeah we've already done all that it's just it's recycling old stuff to get the to get the pages out yeah it's a it's a bunch of scenes we've essentially already had before mm -hmm. and it doesn't bring us to any different of a conclusion he rips Callista, his ex-girlfriend, out of this force monster, and then no thoughts. Yeah. No reflection on that. I guess there's no time. We chase Abeloth, he gets shot down. But I don't foresee it coming in the next book either. Because we don't have that depth in this narrative. No. Which I guess we've been kind of complaining about, even going back to the beginning of last series. Why don't we spend more time in Jason's head talking about why he's making these bad decisions. Yeah. It's always has been an, an exercise in inference, I guess. But this is more so way, way too narrowly focused on just, this is what I'm doing and this is, I'm not even going to tell you other plans. I'm not going to think about them to myself. I, it's just, it just, everything just, I don't know, happens in this book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and when we cut away, it's okay to have like why. boring sections in a book because it's going to happen. But he when said you, space tape. <laughs> when you cut away to something else, it's another section of boring stuff that's not happening. Yeah. There's no excitement. And there was the so middle. much in this book of like setting up, setting up, setting up where, okay, we've gone to Nam Corios and then we need to f get a lead. And then we get a lead and then we need to get another lead. And then we... Mm -hmm. get a lead on this doctor and then we need to go find that and then we get ambushed and then it's just a sequence of events without any choice yeah and then on the other side of the galaxy is just we gotta wait and wait and wait until we can attack the senate and take it over and then after they do that then what then then what they they overturn luke's sentence mm -hmm. they that's it. <laughs> what else? Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the whole book was just... Was that happened exercise. halfway through the book. 
Yeah. Taking over the government happened halfway through the book. And there, I don't know what the major implications were or I don't know what their plans are. We didn't revisit that at all. No, not once. An unfinished thought again. Yeah. Tough. This is, I'm, I'm being so harsh on this book. It's, it wasn't an easy book to enjoy. Yeah. You know what? Honestly, (laughs) had it been done, let's say it had 12 less chapters in the same amount of, uh, pages right mm-hmm. if it was three weeks shorter reading for us on the podcast i would probably be three weeks less mad about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> but here we are man and then like you come to the conclusion and it's like what changed he took uh, the only thing that changed is that he took the good the claiming to be good part of abeloth out of her mm-hmm. because we started the book chasing abeloth after injuring her and she had to flee and we end this book chasing Abeloth after she's been injured and had to flee it's we spent 442 pages I'm making that number up yeah to come 360 degrees to the exact same spot we started yeah without any growth in that circle if if all of that changed so here's the thing right there's certain, there's there's different dimensions to telling a story. You have the the narrative that you want, like this the plot. Mm-hmm. You have the characters, and you have the setting. The setting was interesting. The characters weren't because they didn't change. Yeah, they didn't learn anything new that that altered their thoughts. They just learned new things and did new things that were the same things we've done before. Yeah, like. The plot is interesting. The setting is interesting. But when we come full circle through the whole book and none of those two things have changed, the plot hasn't changed. We're chasing her again. Yeah. The setting has changed, but not really. It's chasing Abeloth across space to planet XYZ that Luke has been before. Yeah. It's whatever. She's going to be at another planet and have to. So, you know, three out of three things, including the characters now have not changed in this book. Dala got fired. Tahiri got free. That's it. And they are not even included in this list of recap because they're so low on the rung of important characters. Yep. Meanwhile, I keep putting Jaina Solo in here for seven books. But <laughs> I, I think that's out of hope. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Plus, she's a Skywalker. Yeah. You got to talk about what she's doing even if she ain't doing anything because we got to criticize that yeah, she's a skywalker this book was an exercise she's anakin patience. solo's granddaughter yes get to work <laughs> like what are we doing anyways yeah, this is an exercise in in patience this book and in just waiting to see what's going to happen but it doesn't no happen <laughs> it doesn't happen on screen it doesn't happen in head <laughs> it doesn't mm-hmm. happen on the page. What was your favorite moment of Luke Skywalker? <laughs> uh, Vistara pointing out Ooh. that he is not much different than she is. She killed that non-unsent, non-sentient Sill yeah. um, for the greater good. And he called the Jedi in and ambushed the Sith. For his greater for good. For his greater good. Right? Which yeah. is a matter of perspective. <laughs> 
But yeah, that was a good finished thought that she hand, handled him with right there. That yeah. was a good moment. I liked uh, I liked that the very beginning when they went into the pirate basement, which again, pirates never come up again. Saves that pirate's daughter and that just the cool thing that he did with the force there, which wasn't like a, a, a textbook technique. It was just a feeling and idea that he had. Like if yeah, I can, he gave it a shot. If I can, you know, if I can like get my fish hooks of light energy into the darkness, I'll pry it out of her. And then I guess in an effort of foreshadowing, mm. that's exactly what he does at the end of the book. He uses his light to, I guess, inversely rip the light out of the dark. Yeah. You know, instead of the dark out of the, the light person, the innocent person. But I liked that part of the beginning. Uh, it was almost symbolic. It was an interesting new technique we got to see. Yeah. And then... The men... The men... The, men, the, the nem, <laughs> <laughs> Mnemonic. The nemotherapy. There you go. See? All right. <laughs> the nemotherapy scene when he's being taught it by that Master Nen guy. And it's like resonating through this crystal bowl that they're standing in. Mm-hmm. And they're projecting this that girl's... Um, Memories of falling into the drock nest and all that jazz and her mom died and the their camel broke its legs and whatever. Yeah. That was cool too. All of the, the force technique stuff is always cool. And when it's given in detail like that, it's super interesting. When Luke describes what he did to Callista as surgery with a 10-pound axe, that's the full description mm-hmm. of how he felt about what he did. Come on. Yeah. No detail. Yeah. No no finesse of information at all. Yeah, and that's and that's the only thing that <sighs> about and see they explained that tiny bit and I was, I was like I like that visual where he's just hammering in there to pull this I liked the visual of it like yeah. just the bruntness yeah, the it was brute a, force it. Was of it was a good analogy or what do you call that? What's a comparison? Simile? Yeah, he didn't say he didn't say like her as. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, it was it was a good description, but that should have been the end of a paragraph of him describing, describing the fine yeah. details of how he's doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But no. Anyways, whew, Fate of the Jedi, Book Seven, Conviction by Aaron Alston, is complete. Finally. After all this time, we got all the way through this book. <laughs> Even if we had to re-record this little part because I unplugged my microphone and I'm touching it again. Is it still recording? Okay. It's still good. Let me, let me quick recap the long recap that has been this episode. That has been the quick recap for the long recap, which has been the last 12 weeks of this podcast. Here's the third distillation. The Jedi take over the Senate. As we were told on the back cover, in the second sentence of the back cover, Luke's exile is over. Vistara is a Jedi, sort of. And Jaina and Zekka are back together. Sort of. <laughs> wingmates, wingmates. Yes. They're, they're teammates again. That's that's what happened in this book. Oh, also Abeloth, back on the run. Zoom. Didn't get much from ship. I, I love ship. I always have. Yeah. All right, Tim. Rate this book. How many out of nine fates do you give it? Two. Ooh. 
for the potential setup for the next two, all the things that were left or said that could be used. That's why. I can't imagine anything other than the force told us to save you, Luke, paying off. I don't see the bugs coming back. I don't know what Giselle is doing there still. Uh, no. I don't know. Ready? My rating is zero out of nine fates. <laughs> The, a dying man wrote another stalling novel mm -hmm. and no judgment, no fault, but there's not much here, man. Yeah, no. My favorite characters don't really do anything or explore themselves. Luke Skywalker learns a new force power and then ultimately fails in his goal and fails all along the way. Yeah. You know, he, uh, he, it's, it's not what we, we, we ended up where we started. Yeah. And I like, we have in in the in the last one in this one we have given him the benefit of the doubt yeah because absolutely it is what it is the guy had a heart attack press touring the first book of the series and then he died shortly after finishing x-wing mercy kill which was the book that he wrote after the series so i'm sure that he had contractual obligations and especially in this series where Let's say you have a heart attack and you haven't written the other two books fully. I'm sure you have outlines to whatever degree. Mm -hmm. And then you come back, you got to rush through them probably because you want to A, not let your fellow authors down, B, not let yourself down, and C, get your work out there, especially if you're going to die. Mm -hmm. More to be remembered by, right? Yeah. But as we said about the last book where he didn't mention Abeloth by name mm -hmm. after that had been revealed... And then this book, we don't see her face-to-face -face after Luke Skywalker and Ben and Vistara just had the gnarliest lightsaber showdown with her in the last book. Mm -hmm. It all just feels disconnected because it feels like he wrote his things, not in a rush, but maybe uh, out of usual turn. Yeah. Where maybe you would normally wait for more feedback from your other authors and what they changed, what they've chosen and, and, and stayed with. And you can build more back and forth. His second and third book, book four and book seven in the series, feel purposely out of place. They purposely take you to one spot and stay there forever. Yeah. So that we don't, I don't know, uh, negatively affect the other narratives that are not yet written. Mm -hmm. Right? It's, it's, That's he, a good he, way to look at it. An unfinished thought. Yeah. To leave space for everyone else to fill in where normally you'd be threading that all together. Yeah. It, it is like rushing to get it done because he was dying. So you or don't at least afraid that he was. Yeah. And so you don't know how like he wouldn't know how long he'd have or whatever. So yeah. let's get it done. I don't. And I like you were saying, I don't want to mess up anybody else's stories that they're going with. Yep. It's definitely not it's just wasn't wasn't satisfying no. and it didn't have it just didn't have it didn't have even for his caliber of star wars books it didn't have the usual amount of fulfilling narrative yeah because before these uh four and seven i had yep. really liked before his he had his heart attack yeah they were great all of his books were good <laughs> yeah Maybe not my favorite because he loves to focus on the ship details and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But imagine that. 
the, a whole fleet of stealth X Jedi attack a fleet of Sith. And it's two thoughts in, in two sentences and over. Yeah. That's not like him at all. No, it's not. And so, <laughs> I don't know how I can say no judgment, no fault, no blame yeah. after I've been bitching <laughs> for all this time and I give it zero out of nine. But at the same time, like, it's okay. It's okay for it to not be good based on circumstances. Yeah. it's the- And it's not that it's not good. That's not the right thing to say. Just didn't live up to my expectations mm. of, you know, being book seven of nine. Yeah. Not to get all Jerry Ryan on you, but <laughs> where did I just pull that name from visual memory of Star Wars credits? Yeah. Wow. Anyways, now that we have thoroughly shit on this book, we look ahead to Fate of the Jedi, book eight. Ascension, written by Christy Golden, released August 9th, 2011. Let's have a look at the front cover. With a shaggy-haired young man in robes, wielding his blue lightsaber, back-to-back with a long-haired, lace-covered young woman, wielding her own red lightsaber, each cast in their own colored light with a dark background of a city skyline behind them. Tim. Yeah. It's Ben and Vistara. It is. On the front cover together. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. You know what? Something that we forgot to mention. Those two are disconnected from Luke Skywalker. Yes, they are. They are heading back to the Jedi Temple, assumedly, for training. Yeah, wherever they ben are, they're together. Ben is not a knight. No. Ben is an apprentice. And mm-hmm. not Luke's. <laughs> as far as I know. Is he anyone's? He is Luke's now. Yeah, right? he is Luke's Luke now. took him at the end of the last series. That's right. But anyways, the two of them are heading to the Jedi Temple without Father Skywalker overlooking them. Without having him looking over the temple. And with bearables in the basement... And Barve ready to go Barvey at any time. Mm-hmm. What ascension are we talking about? What who is ascending? What? There are multiple options. Do you have any thoughts? Well, I have. Mo- There's Abeloth ascending to a place of actual power. Yeah, <laughs> ascending to on the page. Yeah, <laughs> you got. Maybe something happens to Luke and Actually, ben. let's stop there. Let's go okay. with the Abeloth idea. All right. What is a place of actual power to ascend to? Having actual, to me, getting closer to the core and having, regaining the control over these all the Jedi. Oh, the Shelter Jedi. The Shelter Jedi that everyone thinks is cured. Good call. What was the next thing you were going to say about Luke? Um, something happening to Luke and Ben gets put in a place of decision making. Ooh, I didn't even think of that one. Good call because the Force is telling everybody to save Luke Skywalker. Also, Ben is returning to the temple and mm-hmm. Luke is not. He's the only Skywalker in the temple. And Ben's been looked at a couple of times for decision making, for leadership several times. Um by his dad specifically. Uh so that could that could be an interesting one. And he's going to be the only one with all this information at the Jedi Temple. Him and Vistara. I think he's going to have to 
spend some of his Step time up to a place of leadership and defend Vistara. Oh, that's guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> that's a guarantee. How about this? I'll read you a little bit from the back cover. Okay. You know how they have the full paragraph blurb, but they have the like one sentence above. Mm-hmm. No spoilers in that one sentence. I'll <laughs> okay. read it to you. The galaxy stands leaderless. Can the Jedi save it or will their enemies enslave it? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's enslave the galaxy. There's a lot to think about. Is that what she's up to? Find out next week when we cover Fate of the Jedi, Book 8, Ascension, Chapters 1 through 4. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. 12 weeks later. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.